Welcome to this podcast for Thorax Journal Club. Today I'm talking to Dr. Dale Needham from John Hopkins University School of Medicine about a paper that he first authored in the BMJ entitled Lung Protective Mechanical Ventilation and Two-Year Survival in Patients with Acute Lung Injury Prospective Cohort Study. Dr. Needham, thank you for taking the time to record this podcast for Thorax today. Could you start by telling us a little bit about lung protective mechanical ventilation, what, what it means and why it's important? Sure. When I talk about lung protective mechanical ventilation, I'm talking about an evidence-based intervention for patients that have acute lung injury or acute respiratory distress syndrome where we use smaller tidal volumes and carefully monitor patients' plateau pressures in order to reduce the injury uh, or further injury to, um, to these patients' lungs. The, there's a whole body of evidence, uh, both uh, in basic science and translational science, and then into to, uh, clinical research supporting this. The largest study is done by the U.S. ARDS network that demonstrated a 9% absolute reduction in the risk of short-term mortality for those that were ventilated with lower tidal volumes rather than higher tidal volumes, and that you know, creates what often is called the ARDS network protocol for mechanical ventilation or lung protective ventilation of, of uh, acute lung injury and acute respiratory distress syndrome patients. And what was the gap in the literature that you'd identified that made you choose to, to look at this particular outcome? Sure. So there's a couple of, of uh, important rationales for this. The first is the primary outcome in the ARDS network trial was short-term mortality, and we were quite interested in whether or not this, this intervention in the ICU could have a long-term mortality benefit. And that's because the, the body of literature for these patients is growing to demonstrate that they're having many sort of long-term morbidities uh, after leaving the intensive care unit, and the whole field of research is now saying it's not enough to have these people leave the ICU uh, alive, we need to think about the downstream effects of their critical illness. So we wanted to, to understand if, in fact, there was a long-term mortality benefit. Um, and second of all, we also wanted to um, understand how this evidence-based intervention was provided sort of in a real-world setting, an effectiveness type of study rather than an efficacy study where everything is very, very tightly controlled. So how is this actually done in the real-world setting, and are there real-world benefits of uh, lung protective ventilation over the longer term? Can you tell us a little bit about how you did this study and particularly explain what a cohort study is? Sure. So this is a prospective cohort study, meaning it's an observational study. We did not randomize patients like the ARDS network did to whether or not they received lung protective ventilation. We felt that that was unethical to do in light of the, the um, large positive randomized trial from uh, the ARDS network. So uh, as an observational study, we recruited patients that had acute lung injury and we did have some exclusion criteria, but not nearly as many exclusion criteria as a traditional clinical trial or an efficacy study would. So we enrolled a very broad group of patients with acute lung injury, and we followed them over time. We observed uh, whether or not on a day, twice daily basis they received lung protective ventilation or not, and then we serially followed them uh, in person all the way out to two years. 
it's a type of natural experiment in that some patients would get lung protective ventilation and other patients wouldn't. Of course, the obvious um, limitation of this type of research is that those that get lung protective ventilation may be fundamentally different from those that do not. So as a result, we, we measured a very large number of variables uh, about the patients in order to try to adjust or control for differences uh, between those who did and didn't get lung protective ventilation. I appreciate that this was a relatively long-term follow-up for this study. Did you have any problems with loss to follow-up? So loss to follow-up is a, a very important challenge in these long-term follow-up uh, studies. We had a very rigorous protocol and lots of uh, skilled people on the team and actually had relatively low loss to follow-up for this type of study. Okay, so could you explain the main findings of the study? Sure. The, the main findings of the study are two or threefold. Uh, we demonstrated that, in fact, lung protective ventilation was strongly associated with a substantial or large long-term survival benefit. So, for example, if we picked a prototypical patient and modeled what their survival would be like with 100% exposure to lung protective ventilation versus no exposure to lung protective ventilation, there's an 8% absolute re reduction in the risk of mortality out to two years. We also found very interestingly that average tidal volume in the ICU had a very linear relationship with two-year survival, such that for each one milliliter per kilogram of predicted body weight increase in average tidal volume, there was an 18% relative increase in two-year mortality. So that implies to us, for example, that six milliliters per kilogram predicted body weight tidal volume may in fact be better in terms of survival than a seven milliliter per kilogram predicted body weight tidal volume. The, the third important finding was that despite this study occurring in in for academic teaching hospitals, we demonstrated that lung protective ventilation was only used in 41% of all the eligible ventilator settings. So an overall take-home message is that lung protective ventilation does improve long-term mortality, but when we're studying it as part of routine practice, there's still a long way to go in ensuring that all of our patients receive this evidence-based therapy in order to have good long-term outcomes. And do you have any feel from the study as to why this, some people aren't receiving this protective ventilatory strategy? Sure. I think there are many reasons why patients are not consistently receiving lung protective ventilation. Some of this comes from a, a research program that we have in this area and others from, from research undertaken by other investigators. Reasons include clinicians not consistently recognizing when a patient does have acute lung injury, and until we identify the patient, we may not be thinking of lung protective ventilation. We may use terms such as double pneumonia rather than acute lung injury, and by using acute lung injury, I think we will key into the, the need for lung protective ventilation. 
I think clinicians are also sometimes concerned that when we give lung protective ventilation, patients' oxygen levels may be lower and their carbon dioxide levels may be higher, and we may be concerned about their blood gases looking less normal and focus on that short-term uh, physiologic issue rather than the, the overall survival benefit. And there may be some perceptions that using lung protective ventilation um, may be more labor-intensive or may require increased patient sedation or cause patient discomfort. And that latter point actually has been, in a couple of objective studies, been demonstrated to not, in fact, be correct. But I think there still is perhaps clinician concern around that. And then finally, from some of our research, we know that this is more likely to be implemented if, in fact, an intensive care unit has a protocol for lung protective ventilation and prescribes that protocol for their patients. It's been very interesting. Thank you, Dr. Needham, for taking the time to discuss this paper with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.